Well, and coming up October 28th at 5 p.m., we're going to be giving the keynote speech at Nationwide's primetime event. I'm so excited because we've been on the Mattress University track for a few years. Yes. Now we're heading up to the main stage on the heels of astronaut Mike Massimino, which was amazing. How are we not going to screw this up following an astronaut? You know what? I have an answer to you. Kinsley and I got to talking about what we're going to do for this talk, and I can tell you this. Uh, it's going to be completely different than anything we've done. Uh, there will be twists and turns and excitement, and we will take you on an emotional roller coaster ride, all the while delivering you some really, really great content that could literally transform your business. So head over to nationwideprimetime.com. If you're a member, it's totally free. We can't wait to see you there. We're very excited this year. And then it's going to bleed right into social hour. And we're going to be there socializing and having some cocktails like we do. Is uh, Mike, Mike Whitaker going to be in a dress again? He could very well be in a dress mm, again. It's possible. Enough of a reason to tune in. Something else we're really excited about. Look, and this, this happens before October 31st. Do you want a $400 Visa gift card from Podium? That is the dumbest, up. dumbest question you have ever asked. Hands Who up. does not want $400? Hands up. So I'm in. This is the deal. Whenever, Both hands up. Whenever you sign up for Podium, before October 31st, you're gonna get a $400 Visa gift card, but you gotta sign up. And here's the deal, if you're an existing Podium customer and you add a new location, you also get the $400 gift card. What? We're gonna make it super easy on you too. You don't have to do anything, pick up your phone right now, text us, 843-MARCOS2, M-A-R-C-O-S, so 843-MARCOS2. We will personally, we will be your concierge service to get you set up with one of our good friends at Podium. How about that? Yeah, it's great. And no nudes, please. I know what you're thinking. Just don't even go there. <laughs> yeah, because he might text one of his back. No, and then I it's gonna get never. really weird. Dos Marcos Podcast. It's the greatest mattress industry podcast on the planet. Wait, isn't this the only mattress industry podcast? He's Mark Kensley. I truly felt bad for you at the time. He's Mark Quinn. I think Bigfoot was actually very pleasant. Together, they are Dos Marcos. So here's what I'm thinking about at this moment. Mm. If you are in Harry Roberts' circle like if you're in anywhere within his concentric circle which is a good place to be it's a great place to yeah. be and you're bound to get looped into something fun interesting or unique and so it was no surprise to me whenever harry roberts who was one of the founders of mattress firm he's a friend of the show he's a personal friend of ours and it's a guy we love so it was no surprise whenever he said you know what you've got to meet my cousin wes roberts and so Wes is on the show today. And so Wes, let me tee this up a little bit. So like I said, your cousin's with Harry. You guys are best friends. Uh, you started Edward Jones offices in Alaska. You've run 10 marathons. You play guitar and sing. And you grew up, I kid you not, in a hotel. So before we get to all that, Wes Roberts, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being here with us. Well, thanks for having me, guys. I'm both humbled and honored to be here with you guys here. I love your podcast. I love seeing my and listening to my cousin and best friend Harry on it. And I've listened to several others also. Well, thank you. That's thank very you. nice. Harry was 
at, at the time we'd have to go back and check. He was the most listened to podcast we'd ever done for a while. So we know that people in the industry love Harry and we do as well. And he, had, he has a great story to tell. So, okay. Tell us about your friendship and your family relationship with Harry and tell us about you guys growing up because you grew up in a hotel. We have that correct. Is that right? right. I grew up in a hotel in Northern North Dakota and Harry grew up on a lake in Mitchell, South Dakota. I was in Devil's Lake, North Dakota, by the way. And I'm a little older than Harry by about six years. So when we would drive down to Mitchell for the summer vacation, I wouldn't even say hi to anybody. I'd get out of the car and run to the lake with my fishing rod and Harry and I fish carp all day long. And that's where our friendship started. But it really, we really bonded years later when we worked together for American Bed in Houston summer of 1981 summer of 81 you guys find yourselves in houston selling mattresses yeah what was that, what was that like his junior and senior year of college and i was running a store for jack smith on the gulf freeway and harry worked with me in my store and i don't remember ever having more fun than that he's such a great guy and we West did you think he was kind of crazy getting into the mattress business or? No, not at all. I was behind him all the way. I knew he had kicked, but. I think Harry told me that you guys had like a, a $10,000 day back in 1981. Did I hear we that did. right? We did on uh, Saturday afternoon. And at the end of that day, we didn't have a delivery man. I don't know if he went home early or what, but we spent the evening then delivering beds. And just like our dads, our dads were brothers and best friends, and they love to get together and laugh their asses off. And that's what Harry and I do best. We, when we're together, we're laughing. Tell us, take us back in time a little bit, because when Harry told me that you grew up in a hotel, you know, he kind of peppered in the idea that, you know, hotels have hotel bars and they have people that live there full time and you're living there full time as a kid and there are prostitutes and there's all kinds of stuff going on. What are some of the, some of your favorite stories from growing up in the hotel? Well, we had a bar right downstairs. It's a great Northern hotel, by the way. It was right across the street from the railroad, the great Northern railroad. And I was a bellhop early on at 10, 11, 12, and then a desk clerk. And working night shifts was one of the most bizarre thing ever, 10 to seven in the morning. Within five blocks of our apartment, our hotel, there were 13 bars. So it was kind of mayhem on the streets out there. Um, I had to learn how to stand up for myself at an early age. I remember my dad told me as a young man, he said, always try to avoid altercation. And if you can't, you get that first one right in the nose. And then you yell for your brothers or you run like hell. And <laughs> I so, just hide behind Kinsley. It works really great. <laughs> did you ever have to did you ever have to take that advice and pop somebody in the nose? Yeah. 
Yeah, not taking uh, my fair share of butt kickings, but I've given a lot more. Not bad for a skinny guy with big feet. <laughs> well, big feet help you run fast anyway. <laughs> Pop them in the nose first and then kick them second with those big yeah. feet. So was Harry ever involved in any of those altercations, Wes? No, we never had a fight together. Not yet, but, you know, who knows? <laughs> So you, you grew up uh, in the hotel and then, you know, Harry let us know that you, you ran a bar for a, for a long time and then you eventually ended up in Alaska. Tell us the story about how you ended up running a bar and then how did you get to Alaska where you lived for what, 20 years? Well, back up to the great northern a little bit then in, in uh, the late 60s when I was in grade school. Small town hotels were in nosedive across the country. And we have four hotels downtown Devil's Lake. And with 20 bars in a town of 7,000 people, with the, the hotel in a tailspin, my dad did what he had to do. He had so much competition, he started bringing in what we called at the time go go girls from Minneapolis. And so uh, that was pretty unique because when I was in sixth grade, if I went home with my best buddy, Peter or Jim, after school, we had cookies and milk. If they came home with me, we had the matinee. <laughs> so uh, quick story, one day I had like three of my buddies and the stage was in the, what we call our banquet room, the empire room. I could take buddies in there, and the only person who knew we were there would be the, the girl dancing. So I had three of my buddies more watching Barbara Ann dance, and my dad came walking in, and my buddies freaked out. You know, it was no big deal to me. If they weren't with me, I would be sitting in the bar with my dad having a ginger ale, watching him play cribbage and taking in the matinee. And I said, hi, Dad. And my buddies, they stiffened up and they were freaking out. And my dad's on it out right away. He looks at them and they think well, we're going to get our butts kicked. And he takes a nice slow drag off his mirror air tip. And he looks at his watch and he says, I'll give you a little shit. It's 30 minutes to get the hell out of here. <laughs> he walks out. My buddy, so funny. 30 minutes. We <laughs> <laughs> get a 30 minute peep show here. Hey, that's a that's a cool dad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was a cool dad. Both my dad, Bud, and his brother Chuck were charming guys full of charisma. People, people just loved them both. So years later, uh, I would just finish my I was just starting my third year of college. I was 21. My dad was on his deathbed with lung cancer. And my siblings were all married with kids out and about. So I left St. Cloud State and went back home to take over because he was didn't have long to live. And uh, I remember sitting by his bed and he said, you got to go downstairs and take over, take over the bar. The hotel was already closed down, we just had the bar. 
So he was giving me instruction, and the last thing I said was, Dad, what about the girls? Well, he said, well, here's their agent's number. And he said, always meet them at the train and make them feel welcome. Some of them are just kids with fake IDs. Always make them feel welcome. Bring them over, show them the room, take them, show them the bar, the stage. Five to seven, 15 on, 15 off. Nine to one, 15 on, 15 off. And this is not a whorehouse. If you have something else going on, sideline, it's not in this building. My mom lives here. So that was a spiel I used time and time again as I made the train every week. So uh, shortly after that, my dad passed away. I closed down the hotel and bar, took the keys down to the county and put them on the table and said, Here's your hotel, we're done. And thankfully the city let me keep the, the liquor license and uh, some foolish banker actually loaned me a little money. And then with the help of several really good friends, I rented a small building and within two weeks started a little place called Our Place letter R like Robert's place. And I did that for two years. It was just a pub and it just didn't fulfill me because it was just, just a drinking joint and I wanted more. So uh, two years later, I bought a, a larger building right next door and put a stage in there. And for the next 13 years did rock and roll and country and karaoke and fun things. So. It was a long run. I had a love-hate relationship with the business because I couldn't stand being around people that, that were abusers and weren't doing anything with their life. But the entertainment and bringing quality bands to town from Fargo and Grand Forks and Minneapolis, St. Paul gave me a good fulfillment. I see your dog. <laughs> yeah. That's Jones. He's the, uh, he's the resident mascot. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, oh man, thank you, Mark. What's his name again? His name's Jones, like George Jones or. Oh yeah, like Jones. Hi, Jones. What a beauty. <laughs> he likes to get up on, on the desk here and, and walk around and make, make his presence known. He likes to chase a ball but all know, day long. Yep. He'd play ball all day long if he could. I'm dog crazy, man. I love you, Jones. We're the same. We are the same. Clearly, like, I let him. He, he rules the roost. <laughs> there you go, buddy. So, so you ran that bar for 13 years. And like you said, you had a love-hate relationship with it. What happened next? Or what was the transition or the event that led to well, your next stage? Okay. Well, let, let me back up a little bit. After uh, when I opened a new place, uh, sadly, I was in a uh, horrible, horrible accident and got lost a friend and got worked over pretty bad. My hip came out and I broke my leg up and bad. And Wes, is that a car accident? Yeah. I see. Okay. At that point I took a sabbatical from the bar business. Thought, you know, I've done and that's where I met Jack Smith. And he invited me to Houston to take a look at the American Bed 
the bedding industry and and it was really a great, great experience. Jack was such an amazing entrepreneur, super inspiring guy. And he gave me a store right away. And I'm proud to say that growing up with my dad, who has taught me a lot about communication, customer service, and, and uh, how to have fun with, with clients it paid off big time in the bed business because it was just natural for me to be behind that counter and great people coming in the door. That's what I did growing up as a bellhop and a desk clerk and bartender. And so did you end up um, after you, you met, so you wrapped up the bar business and then you went to Houston to sell beds with Jack. Yeah. And then you were in Houston. How long were you in Houston? And then where did you go after that? Only for the summer of 81. And then something happened. I lost the, the person who had managed the, the bar. So I went back and took over thinking, you know, this will be short term. Because my mom is kind of heartbroken. She said, honey, you don't want to be in the bar business. You grew up in it. You know better. And I said, you know, I won't raise a family in this business, Mom, I promise. Uh, as soon as I settle down and start a family, I'm done. But little I know I'd be in 10 years later when a beautiful school teacher walked in one day and caught my eye and we settled down and sold the bar and went to Edward Jones. And Basically, uh, the Edward Jones guy in Devil's Lake, Jim Fox, was sitting at my bar one night, and he was why he said, "Man, I can't believe how hard you work." I said, "Nature of the beast. That's food and beverage. I'm running my tail off." He said, "Come and see me on Monday morning. I want to talk to you about a good opportunity." Wes, I'm a big believer that jobs build on each other. So the things that you did in the bar business. Like when you look back at that and then you look at your experience with Edward Jones and even things that came later, like what was it about the bar business do you think that really helped you uh, get ready for the next stages of your life? Because I was in the bar business too and I loved it, but it's hard work. It really is. Yeah. I wouldn't wish on anyone except for it's, it is a great opportunity to hone communication skills. But uh, yeah, great question. It brings a story to mind. After about five years with Edward Jones, I had the opportunity to, I was, got to, to attend what's called our top producer meeting. And up to that point, if somebody had asked me what I did previously, you know, all my colleagues came from banking, finance, accounting, you know, Somebody asked me what I did, I'd simply say I was self-employed, you know, move on. Well, I'm at this top producer's meeting and now I'm feeling a little cocky, they're treating us like royalty. And it's the end of the day and we're having cocktails, I'm having a nice ice cold Budweiser. And this old partner walks up to me and puts his arm around me and he says, congratulations, son, top producer. He said, now, what'd you do previous to Jones? Well, now I'm feeling a little cocky. I said, well, Joe, I was a 
believe in bartender. And he hesitates, he cocks his head and looks at me and he says, he looks around the room and he says, my oh my son, what an advantage you have over everybody in this room. And that's when it clicked and I realized that not just bartending, but growing up in the hotel and dealing with people when I was 10, 12, through, all the way through high school. And when you're behind the bar, you're dealing with the amiable and the other end of the spectrum and every personality in between. So a long way of answering a question mark, but food and beverage helps people hone their communication skills and that paid off nicely in this business. I, I just have to, I have to follow that up with one quick question, Wes. So what is it, because it's a connection to people, right? It's your ability to, you know, be around people and connect with them. What, what is it? Like, what is it? What is the key, do you think, to, to doing that? Like, you know, you're in the bar business and, and there's a lot of people that come in regularly. Some people you just meet because they're passing through. Like, sure. What is it like for people who maybe don't have those people skills? Like, what do you think the trick is Number to one, make that connection? It's asking questions and being a good listener. Mm. Where are you from? Tell me about your family. Are you a hockey player? Please. <laughs> you like music? I got an acoustic guitar if you want to jam. So yeah, just showing uh, uh, interest in people and being a good listener, a lot of them were up on that. So whether selling beds, bartending, financial advising, or being a dad, it's all about connecting with people. We say all the time that your secret superpower in mattress retail is your ability to ask really good open-ended questions and listen, not right. try to rush to, to map somebody's response to a product, but really listen and, and show that you care. So that, I totally agree. You know, my, my path to that was not through food and beverage, but it was through journalism. You know, I, I was on the radio at 19 and then kept at it, you know, doing journalism stuff for about seven years. But man, that's, that's a place where you ask questions and you, you have to listen and, and, and you get, a lot of times you'd go out and you, you'd hear ahead of time from your news director, this is, this is the story. You get out there, you ask a few good questions, and you really listen to folks, and that's not the story. But you got the real good story, the real yeah. compelling story by listening to people, which is awesome. But I love, I love hearing how people get there because that's, that is this, it's like, it's the meta skill that informs everything else we do. It seems like it is. And the great thing about listening, you know, for you, um, so, and this is a great point of why you listen. It's when you're asking those questions and you're being empathetic and you're listening and you're really dialed in intently focused on that person who you're talking to listening builds the trust that's so critical for the selling process for you at Edward later and for you, if you're listening and you're building that connection and trust, then when you're asking those more important questions, they feel like they can talk to you about that, right? I mean, isn't that a big part of the journalistic approach to that? Yeah, for sure. Well, and I can only imagine, you know, Wes, from your perspective, if you're dealing with people's financial future and really trying to help them not just make money for the sake of making money, but what do you, what do you want your life to be? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure that 
right. get into conversations like that. What's that like? Well, right. It, it, people don't want to hear about upside down ratios and price earnings multiples and all that junk. They want to know you care. They want to know that you're tuned into their objectives, their goals, and so forth. I had a friend who actually changed financial advisors because he found, he was with a, a a man and he changed to a lady because he felt like she was more empathetic. She cared more. Mm -hmm. so. It's true. So, okay. Let, take us into Alaska. What I mean, what's it like living in Alaska? I want to, I want to know, like you big game hunting every day, like you taking bush yeah, planes the, over the mountains. It's a wonderful place. I'm so thankful that we were able to raise all three of our kids up there. And it's, it's, it's a great environment. And if I may back up a little bit, uh, when I was hired by Andrew Jones, they said, uh, where do you want to go? And I, Stephanie and I just got married. And I said, uh, we'll go to Alaska. And the guy said, oh, because of the curvature of the globe and the satellite system that we have is in the Southern Hemisphere, it doesn't get over the hump to service Alaska. So we ended up going to Rapid City for one year. And then one day, it was just after Christmas, I got a call from St. Louis. And the partner says, are you the young man who want to go to Alaska? And I said, yes, sir. And he said, go home, tell mama you're going to Alaska. Because we got a new satellite. So I did. I went home and told Stephanie, she was teaching school. And so I went to Alaska. I drove the Alaskan Highway alone. And she and our one-year-old son came in June. So I had... Uh, I had six months where I could work long days. I've missed my family, but I could work as long as I wanted to. And that was really a nice advantage, just getting going. I uh, got to Anchorage and I thought, you know, I remember when the guy came to Devil's Lake, North Dakota, Jim Fox. Within a year, everyone in town knew him. I thought, in a small town, I could be Jim Fox in Anchorage. I'm just another person. So I found this neat community on the Kenai Peninsula called Soldatna, Russian name. And that's where I had a couple of high school buddies that lived there. And so that's where I set up shop. And when St. Louis said, now where's your uh, office in Anchorage? I just said, oh, just kind of on the south side. About 150 miles. <laughs> and so exactly that. Within a few months, I was on the Chamber of Commerce. I was in Rotary. And I found an acoustic guitar partner, and he and I played all over the place. And I've always used, that's my business card right there. He's so, up again. For those listening on the podcast, Wes is holding up a guitar pick that says Wes Roberts. And what does it say at the bottom? And on the other side, it says Edward Jones. Oh, okay. Edward Jones and your phone number. Nice. That's the only business card I've ever used. I love that. That's I great. like uh, drop them on the floor at grocery stores. And you ever so hand it to people and they don't know what it is? 
people people are always intrigued and you know a white card gets used as no card or thrown away but people don't throw that away they either use it or they give it to their kid or friend who's a guitar player and it's real common how somebody walk in on the grill and say yeah you gave this to me at the bar about six months ago uh i need to do a rollover of my 401k I love it. Surprise and delight. Um, oh, a cool story in Alaska. Uh, first year I was driving down the road one day between Soldatna and Kenai, and I saw a reader board that said October or something, America in concert. America? I grew up with America. Horse with no name, Sister Golden here, all that. And I pulled in, I walked in there, and and I said, Who, who's putting on this concert? And they pointed out a guy who walked in and I introduced myself and I said, uh, thank you so much for bringing America to town. I'm a huge fan. Now, who's opening app? He said, I ain't got no one. And I said, well, I don't want to volunteer. And so he said, well, let's have an audition. So I called my partner, Dave Boyle, who is an amazing guitar player. And he came over and we kicked off a version of Amy by Pure Prairie League and got the job, got to open for America. Oh my gosh. That, so you got to hang out with them and-, and Yeah, yeah, it was so cool. We're, we're doing our opening act and the whole America band was right over here about 15 feet watching my average but <laughs> How fun, is that in uh, Soldatna or is that in Anchorage? That was in Soldatna. Oh, wow. Soldatna. So what, what was the population of Soldatna? Describe the town to us. Soldatna is about 5,000. And then Kenai, which is basically attached to it, it's about the same size. So it's about 10, 12,000 people in the two towns. And was it on the water, in the mountains, like just classic uh, landscape? Kenai was right on the Cook Inlet. And Soldatna was a few miles in. The, the famous Kenai River, the home of the largest king salmon in the world, came right by my office. And another quick story, if I may, I was, when I got there, I uh, went to the chamber to, to become a member, and the world record king salmon was sitting there in, in a case. And when I was leaving that, I read the label down here and said, caught by Les Hansen of Soldatna. So I went back to my cabin and I looked him up in the phone book back in the phone book days. <laughs> I called him up and I said, <clears throat> Les West Roberts, I'm opening an Edward Jones branch here in Soldatna. And it occurred to me that if you were my client owning the record world largest king sound in the world that'd be a good thing for me and he said right on son i'll be right over <laughs> connection that's, to people that's all it took huh all you just had to say this would be good for me yeah right <laughs> it sounded like he had, he had something going on that he needed some help with so he's like yeah this, this works well, out he good. told me the story about catching that camera and that was 
ashore until everybody crossed the death. Hey, I, I got a picture of her back there. Uh, whenever you whenever you lean back there for a moment, uh, I saw some I saw some ink on your arm. Oh, so it's it's been funny as we've traded emails. I got introduced to some terminology, an acronym actually that was totally new for me, and I fell in love with it. So give us the story about Yam Bailey. All right. Well, Yam Bailey, as I said earlier, we're a real hockey snob family. All three of my kids play. I still play at 66. My wife plays. I'm proud as hell of her. She started playing as the kids wound down. She, she's more avid than I am right now. So when I'd take my kids to the hockey rink when they were little people, I had a, a consistent mantra. I'd say, now get in there, kick ass, take names. Remember, when you're on the ice, you're either giving it or you're taking it. And we Roberts are givers, okay? So be a giver out there on the ice. And then I'd finish up with a hug. And I always say, you are my buddy and I love you. And I'll get in there and enjoy the greatest game on God's earth. Well, when kids get up to middle school age, you don't get to hug and use that L word at the front door of the rink anymore. You know, that's not cool. So somewhere along the line, it occurred to me that you are my buddy and I love you. Y-A-M-B-A-I-L-Y was a cool acronym, Yambele. So we started saying Yambele at the front door and having a high five. And now even my boys, Army, Navy, they call their mom on the weekend. They don't say, at the end of a the conversation, they don't say, love you, mom. They say, Yambele, mom. And all of our friends use it. And you guys, I hope you'll use it. You. You'll have your Yamele shirts in the mail sometime soon. You know, you know, Wes, I have to tell you my connection to that story. So I'm fishing with Harry in Wisconsin. And uh, we were out having a cocktail on the screen in porch to one of the most beautiful settings I think I've ever been in. And so Harry uh, hits me with Yam Bailey and I'm like, I don't even know what that means. And so he tells me this story about you. And I just thought that was the coolest thing because I have teenage kids. So I immediately went home and um, kind of talked to my family about that. So anyway, and that actually inspired me. My son is always taking, so it's, it's kind of a, a personal brand. It's a message. It's a sentiment. It's a, it's something bigger than just the words. It's a, it's a whole um, idea and emotion behind that. And so I was so happy to get to tell my family that story. And my son's always taking pictures and every picture he takes, he like gives a thumbs up, right? And like literally every picture. And so I had a graphic artist, uh, partly inspired by Harry's story, create a little logo of him uh, doing the thumbs up with just a little message under it saying, just be positive. And so I just liked what you had done with Jan Bailey and kind of made it like this thing. And so anyway, so that that's kind of how it evolved for us. Uh, but, and and we use it, Wes. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for using it. Mm -hmm. And what you know, we uh, 
we trademarked it. Just in case it turns into the next shit happens, right? Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, be happy, or shit happens, any of those. You know, you know what I think he just we, told me? What was that? I think he just told me I was infringing on his patent, <laughs> his trademark. Well, okay, so tell us a story about, you, you. do you have other tattoos? When did you get this tattoo? Well, my, my boys, both Army and Navy, you know, of course, that's, kind of a tattoo culture. And uh, <laughs> they both put their favorite guitar and the umbrella on there and a different feel. And then they called me and showed me a FaceTime and showed, showed me and said, Dad, you have to, you invented the umbrella, Dad. You gotta do it too. So I got my first incant, 64. It's the only one I had. First tattoo at 64. That's got to be rare. Yeah. We talked to a friend of ours um, and his brother was on the show and his brother's an astronaut. He's, he's on the space station right now. His name's Chris Cassidy. And Chris on the show, he, he had been a Navy SEAL and he had been in the Navy as a captain for 27 years. And he said, I've made it all 27 years without a single tattoo, which is pretty rare. Very oh. rare. So there's still time is what we're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who knows? I get a little time you know, thinking about. I'm thinking about putting my dad's B24 on my other arm, Madam Shushu. Oh wow! So your dad flew B24s? Yeah, Madam Shushu. Madam Shu. That was the name of the plane. Yeah. So look at what another one that's going to be Madam Shushu. <laughs> Let's get one tattoo. Now he's like ready to go ink, full ink on his sleeve. <laughs> right, right, right. Down, man. We'll go the whole works. Hey, Wes, just stay away from the bar wire around the neck and the little two. Uh, okay. Stay away yeah, from it. Yeah, my, my little old lady is crossing that in my cats. <laughs> Do you, uh, so Wes, on, on some of the notes I had from Harry, you've run – 10 marathons, a few triathlons, you play hockey, you play guitar and sing. Um, you're now in St. Paul, Minnesota, and you have an office, an Edward Jones office in Hastings. Um, that's, that's a lot of, you've got a lot of adventures. Well, we were, it was hard to leave Alaska, but my father-in-law went into the Alzheimer's world and there was no family here in Minnesota. So Stephanie and I came back and supported that. And uh, I, it's been uh, very fortunate. We lost Fred, but we have my mother-in-law right down the street from us now. And you met my rock star branch partner, Sean, a little while ago. I'm a very fortunate man. It's, Edward Jones has a pretty special culture. Every one of our offices is just one advisor and one branch partner branch office uh, uh, administrator. And that's so important to have a rock star like Shauna. I have a little connection to Edward Jones because the Edward Jones family uh, put in the longest rails to trail in, in the country and it runs now from St. Louis to Kansas City. Yeah. And so I've ridden that trail and it is an amazing gym planted right in the middle of Missouri. People come from all over the world because you can ride over 250 miles 
with no traffic on hard packed gravel. And it's just such a fun adventure. Oh, I love it. I'd love to do that. I've heard about it. It's, yeah. Ted Jones is quite a guy. Yeah. What a great vision to take that old railroad bed that was ripped yeah. out and not active and turn it into something that people literally, I met people from all over the world. Awesome. Oh yeah. There is no doubt in my mind. Action funk music is the official soundtrack of door counts because door counts is all about taking action to get out of that funk, the funk of not knowing. Door counts is the smartest way to count retail traffic and then do something with that traffic and have proof and tie it to sales results. Our friend Luis Lopez actually won the door count system, installed it in one of his stores, saw how well it worked. He went out and purchased the system for all of his other stores. And he said, as soon as that camera went in, boom, difference maker. I knew that the minute I would install that camera in my store, I was gonna be able to see why people were coming in, where were they coming from. I was gonna make better decisions on my uh, marketing tools. I was gonna make that person accountable to, to show the importance of, uh, to our salesmen of every person that comes through the door, how much it costs us to bring that person in. All of that stuff ties in together and then, you know, the CRM to follow up with the customers and uh, after they come in the store has elevated our sales incredibly. It's been a couple months that we've had it and I can already see the results. I've seen a 60% growth in our sales for the entire year. Right now on your phone or computer, go to doorcounts.com, book a demo, tell them Dust Marco sent you. Well, you know, in, in life, I mean, no matter what you're doing, um, you, you just have such an interesting um, past and all the things that Mark just talked about you doing. Um, there's the good times and then there's always the struggle. Like, what has the struggle in your life taught you? How has it brought you to where you are? The, the struggle, Mark? Sure, yeah. Well, that's... Uh... I've had a pretty blessed run. I've had a lot of struggles until recently, you know, about my recent diagnosis. But uh, when I look over my shoulder, uh, having anyone who runs a, a marathon gets a, a, up, a nice level of confidence because that's 26 miles. And uh, I have done four of them in my 60s. That's I'm most proud of those as boys of ones. And, uh, but all three of my kids have done a, a couple marathons already, too. And I've told them that, you know, anytime you run into a struggle, anytime you have a, something that's really weighing on you, remind yourself that you've knocked down a couple marathons. And that'll help you get to the end of that challenge. Absolutely. Wes, tell us, talk about your, your diagnosis and what that's been like. So you were diagnosed with ALS. Yes. So on April or in March, I noticed a year and a half ago when I'm doing a gig and my throat was text from Cousin Harry. My throat was just not responding and I couldn't do certain songs because I couldn't reach a note. 
And I went to the doctor, he sent me to an ENT, and the ENT told me to take some Mucinex and pat me on the back. Then my, uh, my nephew came down to the cities here. He's a brain surgeon in Boston, and he and I were having a chat, and he said, Uncle Wes, I'm hearing an indicator in your voice that gives me concern. I want you to go see a neurologist. ASAP, and I did the next day, April 1st, April Fool's Day, and was diagnosed with ALS, which is on a kick in the stomach, but immediately I've been counting my blessings every day, and number one is that all three of my kids are kicking ass at life, and that's paramount. That's number one, and so that eases, eases the pain. Uh, I've always kind of had my way on the hockey rink with other six-year-olds because I'm in a little better shape than most six-year-plusers. But now my cardiovascular has gone downhill and I've lost 25 pounds and I'm still getting out there and enjoying the greatest game on God's earth, but it's a little humbling because I've always been able to handle myself well out there. But now I know what it's like to be a schmuck. <laughs> we know what that's like. Hey, like you said, you Roberts, you're always you're always giving it. That's right. You're not taking it. Right. That's got to be a that's got to be a an emotional roller coaster of a journey you've been on. It really is, and one of the characteristics of ALS is uh, enhanced emotions. You cry more, you laugh more. Thankfully, my wife reminded me this morning to take my new Dexta that the doctor gave me. Had I not taken that, I'd be bald like a baby right now. <laughs> <laughs> we tend to make people cry, so we would have thought that was normal. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've, I've always been a sensitive guy. and I remember in high school, I was shedding tears about something, and my mom said to me, honey, don't worry about that. Women love said step men. And so I've been playing that card all my life. <laughs> I'm with you, Wes. So Wes, <clears throat> you know, when, when people go through uh, a valley like that or they get news like you got, um, you know, there's a lot of people that take that and they immediately become a victim and they immediately kind of turn inward and, and uh, there's a lot of despair and it paralyzes some people, not physically, but figuratively. So... Did you have that sense? Was there ever a moment when you were like, what am I going to do? And <clears throat> you weren't really sure you were going to handle it? Or were you just like, you know what? I'm going to kick this thing in the ass and uh, live my life regardless. Uh, well, I've always been a fighter. I told you, my dad taught me how to be a first punch artist early on. And after the diagnosis, I came right back to my office. And I hope this is okay. I changed my password to F-U-A-L-S. That's how I start my day every day. And, and uh, uh, typical prognosis is two to four years, ALS, average. Well, I'm not average. I'm a fighting son of a gun and uh, bring it on. And again, uh, count my blessings every day, and I've always put a high premium on friendship 
boy, it's come through loud and clear right now. I can't tell you how many friends are contacting me, but I've, I've got a full brochure of letters and cards. People are traveling from Alaska to visit with me and spend a few days before I go downhill. All my siblings came to town a couple weeks ago for my birthday. Uh, friendship makes the world go round, man. It's just, again, if I hadn't taken my new desk out, I'd be crying all over the place right now. <laughs> hey, when you live your motto as Yam Bailey, you're probably going to end up some pretty good friends in that tribe. Mark, we say that one more time. Go I said, when you, when you live in your motto as Yam Bailey, you're probably going to end up with some really good friends in that tribe. Yeah, and it warms my heart when my friends use Yam Bailey. So you guys are going to warm my heart. I can't wait. wait. Now, I ordered a new inventory. We're a little low right now, so it might be a few weeks, but your Yam Bailey shirts will be there soon. We are going to rock them right here on I this show. I can't wait <laughs> to get my Yam Bailey shirt. So, <laughs> I, know, I know that you know this, but I, I just want to point something out. You've been talking about being, you know, you're, you're, the Roberts are givers. And I just, I, I think uh, I'm maybe stating the obvious here, but you're a giver in terms of the physicality of being on the floor and in, in fighting and hockey and all of that. But you're clearly a giver in so many other ways. Like you understand what it means to give attention to people and your empathy and your ability to listen and spread joy and play music and share your art and um, family and the value you place on that. So I, I, I love where you're coming from, from that perspective also. And Kinsley and I are big believers about the spirit of abundance and being generous with who you are in your heart. And uh, we clearly see that in you. So we're really, really fortunate that we get to have some time with you and, uh, and, and learn from you and, uh, and let some of that uh, brush off onto us and our audience. So thank you. Well, this has been really fun for me. You guys are awesome communicators and you have great questions. I love your podcast. We appreciate that. Hey, Wes, for people out there who might be facing their own struggles or maybe, you know, this time that, that the world is going through is very uncertain, but you're, you're, you have uncertainty on top of uncertainty. What's your advice to people? What, you know, when, when you are able to give them your perspective and your wisdom, what are some of the things you say? Well, I say look over your shoulder and count blessings and, and holy cow. I, I can look over my shoulder and even my love-hate relationship with my bar was a blessing in schooling me up about communication and life. I got to live in one of the greatest states in the union for 21 years. My kids are awesome. They're all hockey players. They're all musicians. and They're all top-notch communicators, which warms my heart. So anybody that's playing the victim card, that I have a story I like to tell, if I may. Please. I've done a, a triathlon last, last winter, and I've done a couple dozen. And not, I'm an average swimmer. And one of the most intimidating things I, I, I've done many times over and over is walk into a lake with 
100 people because triathlons draw high school swimmers, college swimmers, and so when they take off, all these stud swimmers, are, and I'm average at best. So I'm walking into the water, and I'm kind of feeling a little victimish. And I look up, and there's a young lady in front of me hopping on one leg. And she had a prosthetic. I love to tell this story to anybody that's feeling sorry for themselves. Oh, holy cow, I have nothing to complain about. So I get in the water, and I swim my quarter mile. I ran up to my bike, and she was right next to me. And I, of course, being the crybaby, I'm on wiping tears out of my eyes. I went over and I tapped her on the shoulder and I said, young lady, you're so inspiring. May I have a hug? And she just grabbed me and pulled me in. She said, good luck. Well, she beat me in the water. She beat me on the bike. And then she was the last person to finish the triathlon because she didn't have one of those spring legs. She had a stump. And I've got a beautiful picture here. I love to show that to people, and I like to show it to myself anytime I get a little down, and anytime I run into somebody feeling sorry for himself. There's a young lady that could have been playing the victim card all over the place, and she's just beaming in this picture at the end of the triathlon. Do you have um, it there? You can, can you hold up the picture for us? Might take me a minute. Well, as you're getting that out, I think you may know this, but you know that the inspiration she was to you, you're going to be that same inspiration to other people. So I, I'm sure you understand that, but you have been for us here. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you. Oh. There it is. Okay. Wow. Smile. <laughs> She's beaming. Hey, and I like your outfit. I like those American flag shorts. I think Quinn has the same pair. <laughs> I do, actually. Uh, all right. You see her leg? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I always wear uh, anything honoring our country when I'm running a marathon or, or a triathlon. Two boys in the military. Actually, my oldest son, fresh out of the Navy, Daniel, is in the Edward Jones training program just in the nick of time. He'll be joining me here next week. Oh, fantastic. Congratulations. That is great news. Well, hey, Wes, this has been – there he is. Oh, and he's handsome. Uh, little uniform. Oh, he's got that winning smile just like his dad does. He looks like a Roberts, that's for sure. <laughs> One more. He's my Army guy. He's a Green Beret. Oh, he's, he's, he's up there then. That's man. That's incredible. May I just back up one time? Please. Uh, yeah, of course. In Alaska, one day I was at, uh, my office on a Saturday morning, which was right next to a hockey room by, by design. I looked out the window and I saw a farmer's market set up in a lot and I ran over there, found the, the operator and I said, great market, you need some music here. He said, can you do it? And I said, hell yes. Ran home, got my PA and my oldest son and we did that all summer. 
and he inspired his brother and sister and they joined us next summer which really warmed my heart you know public speaking is supposed to be one of the most number one human fear you know what jerry seinfeld says if it is if you're going to you would rather be in the casket than the one giving the eulogy right on, Mark. <laughs> so and and stepping up to a mic and burn your soul vocally is another level up. And so all my kids did that in their teens and won my heart because they're already they're great communicators and they and just step in front of a crowd and sing, take some guts and it prepared them better for life. It sounds like you got a great crew of people and Stephanie. And I'm sure is just the glue that holds everybody together. She's solid as rock. She's a little younger than me, but way more mature. <laughs> I know the feeling. My wife is the same. So Wes, before we go, if you don't mind, uh, if you could, boy, I, I hate these questions myself, but boil it down to a, one piece of advice that maybe you could share with the people listening to the show about, you know, based on your life and the things that you've seen and based on where things are for you now, uh, one piece of advice that you think uh, you would encourage people to live by? Well, I would say easily uh, be bold. Be bold. Ask questions. Go for it. Put yourself in a little bit of stress. That's how you get to open for America or get to go to Alaska and take Edward Jones there, or get a South Anchorage Farmer's Market gig. Gotta ask for it. One of the things that, you know, Edward Jones is kind of well known for taking it to the streets. We go down the street as a new advisor and knock on doors and introduce ourselves and hand out cards. After the snow went away in Alaska, my first year there, I put on my rollerblades and I rollerbladed the residentials instead of walking. And it was kind of a bold move. People were entertained by that and they knew that when I skated up to their front door that I wasn't gonna try to change their religion. <laughs> <laughs> Be bold. Be bold. Be bold. I love it. That's good. Roller skate to their houses, hand them guitar picks. Be bold. Be different. I love talking to you, Wes. This is. Well, thanks, guys. You made my day. This has been a lot of fun. And I'm going to give Cousin Harry a big hug for referring me to you guys. <laughs> well, we'll give him a big hug for doing the same. So we, we love hearing inspirational stories. And I just love. Hey, I'm going to put it like this. Yan Bailey. Yeah, Bailey. Yeah, Bailey. You guys are awesome. You're right on the mark. <laughs> <laughs> you can bounce on it. Oh.
What is a hybrid? It's like peanut butter jelly, peanut butter chocolate. Hybrid so tight, there's no way that you could topple it. Hybrid on my wrist, that's a calculator watch. We add ourselves together and we take it up a notch. Got the airflow, yo, keep you cool as it get. Visco foam alone to make you drip sweat. Get a hybrid mattress, yes, you'll get better rest. Cool and comfortable, hybrid like a sweater vest. You know the game, we're ahead of the sun. Cause the two of us together are way better than one. Cause I'm cool as ice and I'm hot like a heater bounce by the ounce now we got it by the leader well you take a spring and you wrap it up right you can sleep so smooth the bounce all night yeah. put two together get a whole lot more get the feel of the comfort core you can bounce on it lay back you don't have to practice it's the best thing to happen to your mattress get together to do it like i did everybody get Somebody to get in your vicinity You probably wanna feel a little bit of a hybridity Foam alone, out of five, maybe one star Springs and foam, we're taking care of that lumbar Mad back support, the best way to shack up Or just get rest that won't mess your back up Like a hot chick mixed with a particle physicist Or a mullet party in the back of the business Best of both worlds like Mars and Venus The ultimate hybrid, nothing short of cheating Keeping it loose while keeping it tight We can make you sleep or play all night Put two together, get a whole lot more Get the feel of the comfort core You can bounce on it No stopping when the beat gets played back Springs keep it popping, foam keeps it laid back Party over here, get invited Everybody get hybrid Kitchen is charming when your bedroom's the most important part of the apartment. What kind of bed do you keep back there? Does your girl wanna chill on a beanbag chair? Hell no! You need springs and foam, cause if that bowling ball don't bounce, you'll be sleeping alone. And if the bed don't react, then you can't get low. We got the type of bounce that won't spill your Merlot. So stick with us and you'll get rewarded. Cause I'm so gentle and I'm so supportive. Hybrid is where the magic is. And we just killed a song about mattresses. Oh!